Welcome back to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. I'm your one and only host, Alexandra. So I think by now you all know how much I love a good quote. I think they speak to so many different parts of our personalities, our souls, and who we are. So this particular quote is by Angie Whalen Crosby, American author. She says, There are pieces of our stories that aren't meant to be told. Instead, they should glimmer and speak through our souls. The soul that's on the podcast today, Vincent Catronio, has been such an inspiration because from the first conversation we had about a year ago, I was struck by how, I guess, quote unquote, old soul he was. He was so refined in how he delivered his messaging. Again, this is such the essence of a writer, but he's back today to tell me how he's been. This has been kind of the theme this year in 2022, reconnecting with guests and friends that I've been speaking to over the last almost two years now. So without further ado, Vince, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. It's great to to start the year off rehashing and uh, going back to where we started. <laughs> rehashing. It's so fun to be able to do that with friends and contacts that we've made over the years, especially with the podcast. It's such a privilege for me to be invited back into someone's story and someone's life. Uh, so I'm curious, Vincent, starting off our conversation, do tell what is your word or your intention, if you will, for 2022? So with my own life, I would say ambition, because this is probably going to be the most ambitious year that I've ever had. And I feel like it's going to be like that for a lot of people. Um, I think it's, we're so, not we're so bored from these last couple of years, but we've been so like crammed into one spot that we're finally starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we're just like, all right, I want to do as many different things as possible because I didn't get to do it with these last couple of years. And I don't want that time to be wasted. So, and, and pertaining to me, like with what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to accomplish, like that's going to be my goal is now seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, I want to do as much as I can to to strive towards those goals. Ambition's a great word. And it also scares me a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> a lot. But I think heading into the year, it's such a great word because it sets the tone. But on the flip side, it also, I guess, puts pressure, if you will. So like just checking in with you and I'm asking all of my guests, like, how are you doing? Like checking in on mental health, checking in on your overall well-being. How How is Vincent? How are you doing? Uh, a lot better now than um, these last couple of years. Um, I was, it felt like an emotional roller coaster, especially like emotionally, financially, physically. It, it was just ups and downs. And I felt like one was codependent on the other. Like I couldn't be physically happy if I wasn't financially happy and I couldn't be emotionally happy if I wasn't like physically healthy. So all of these things were kind of weaving in and out of each other. And I felt like I couldn't just be one. I had to be all three or four, like all different types of happy. But now I realized mm. like I'm fulfilled in just a baseline. Like I, if all my needs are met, I have a roof over my head, you know, I can do the things that I really love doing. Then I think that that's, that's enough, at least right now. Mm, I'm hearing gratitude in there. There's a lot of gratitude for almost like 
baseline needs or values, right? Things like a roof over your head, that, that, that gratitude practice, I feel also helps the fact that, you know, we, we have meals, we're fed, we have a roof, we're safe, we're in, we're inside indoors. They sound super basic, but a lot of people don't have those privileges. And so, you know, that, like, I don't know about you, but I I've tried to cultivate a gratitude practice and it's helped me lean into so much, um, it's helped me deal with my anxiety. It's helped me lean into my days a lot better. Do you have your own gratitude practice as well? It's it's funny because I have this like constant need for validation. And I just make like a mental note of like, how am I being validated? Which is not, I, I don't think it's healthy because like going about my day feeling like, oh, am I being validated for all the things that I do? But <clears throat> at home, like I try to like appreciate that what I have not, you know, not a lot of people could say that they have that. So I, I do it more like mentally. And I know a lot of people like to physically like write down like a gratitude list and seeing it kind of like overwhelms me because then I'm like, how do I pay these people back? Because wow. that's another habit that I fall into where it's like anytime somebody does something for me, I feel like I need to pay them back 10 times more, you know? And that's all about like, I need to be liked. So how do I keep that going? <laughs> you know, if I don't pay somebody back, does that mean that they don't like, they'll know that and they won't like me. So that was another pitfall that I was falling into, but going more towards like just keeping a mental note of like the people who've done the good in my life. Like that's, that's how I keep track of that. That's so interesting. The whole, how do I pay it forward right back to them. That's a, that's a piece I, I haven't heard and actually hasn't even occurred to me. But now that you mention it 100%, it, it really sets the tone for how can I then, you know, make this person feel as, as good as I've been made to feel or, or how do I pay back this gratitude? That's so interesting. I can, I can dive so much deeper in on that, but I'll segue into writing for a little bit because that was the reason you were on the podcast the very last time, I think close to a year at this point ago. Yeah. Um, we sort of bonded over your incredible work um, and also touching on a bit of the self-promotion that goes behind these kind of passion projects. And so I want to talk a little bit about TikTok. Mm -hmm. which is to me, I have such a love hate relationship with this particular platform, but I digress. <laughs> so I'd love to hear about what your experience has been like on social media, continuing to self promote and put yourself out there. What's that been like for you? So a very close friend of mine convinced me to do it, to start a TikTok. And I'm like, what am I going to talk about? And I hate filming myself. I hate like, I don't know if I can even stand there and just talk for, at the time it was 60 seconds. Now it could be three minutes. But at the time I was like, what, what can I hone in on? What can I start talking about? And then it came up, you know, I was like, oh, writing, like I can do videos about writing. So I did a whole series, what I, which I called writer's guide to story. And I just started there. I did like 30 of them and I shifted more towards like film and all this stuff. But starting with the writing stuff, I was just like, all right, what, what do I feel like I enjoy talking about in terms of writing? Because it's like honing it down more and more and more. Yeah. And then I started putting them out there. But the one thing that I didn't realize was that once you, once you film it, because TikTok, you have to edit it. And by editing, you have to watch yourself, which I don't like doing. And then I realized, who is that person 
that I'm watching on the screen right now. I don't know who that is. So I'm like, how do I be my authentic self? Because the, the second the, cam- the, the camera turns on, I turn into this different person. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to sh- turn that off or turn it on. You know, it's, it's so strange, like that mix of personalities. And then I started having this like really crazy crisis of who am I? If, am I, if I'm not the person that I am by myself on a camera, am I the type of person that I am at work, at home, at school, at, and just socially? So all of that kind of derailed the second the camera turned on when I did a TikTok. So now, even to this day, I try to manage that, that self-realization. So I've been doing it for, oh, I think it's, it's coming up on a year. And still hmm. I'm trying to figure it out, you know? <laughs> okay. I'm, I, I, I'm also interested, what happens? And in, in what happens when you click record or you click play? Because it sounds like you're, you're good up until the moment, like something switches. All of a sudden, like maybe you have to be camera on, on, I guess, would be the, for lack of a better term. So I'm used to being behind the camera. You know, because I love like film and all that stuff, but I'm not used to being the one that that is being filmed. So I try to rehearse what I'm going to say. And mm. I, I literally write out a script for myself going back to the writing stuff. I need to have stuff in front of me because if I just go off and derail, it's just going to completely fall apart. You know, I'll mm. ramble and ramble and ramble, run out of time. Because like I said, at the time, it was only 60 second videos. And that goes by yes. really, really fast. Yes. So I just tried my best to just stick to the script, know exactly the points that I needed to hit. And then eventually, once I started doing it more, I was able to be a little bit more loose. But I think the biggest thing was that I was afraid to be vulnerable because I was mm. afraid of what people were going to think. So mm. then I just started doing the most ridiculous things that I could think of. And nothing came out of that negatively. So I'm like, what do I have to worry about? Like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, being my authentic self is not going to cause those negative repercussions that I initially anticipated. So I'm like, okay, I could be a little bit more open, you know? And it's interesting because if I'm talking to somebody else, like the last time, like I've, I was as vulnerable as I possibly could be because I was talking about a, a, a piece of literature that I was really vulnerable in. So I felt like it was only fair to present that in the same way that I wrote it. But in terms of being by myself on camera, it's so much different, you know? So yeah, it's just finding that balance of who I want to be and who I know I can be and who I'm comfortable being. I hear that. And I can completely understand and validate that experience where all of a sudden you just turn into someone else because you want to appease what people need. But what we don't realize is that people want to hear our stories, not told the way we think they want to hear it, but told exactly how we would tell it. So from social media to writing, how checking in with the writing piece in your life, how is the writing going? So writing has been pretty good. Um, My friends and I are still working on uh, the fantasy novel and it's taking on a life of its own. And like 
you know, um, a, a mythical creature that just constantly grows a new head. That's what this project is is becoming. It's just becoming like a ten-headed dragon that we're constantly just trying to take down. But all in all, I I still love doing it. I still find that to be the driving force that keeps me going every day because everything that I do, writing is such a huge part of that. Um, I recently got a job uh, with a movie news network, and I'm writing articles about film, about horror, special effects, like all of these things. And that's the coolest thing because not only am I being paid for it, I am being like, I have the ability to reach an audience that I never would have reached before because this network is huge. Like I would use them all the time just to like look up news and stuff. Now that I get to work for them, it's, it's incredible. So combining all my passions and, having people say like, that was a really great article. That was a really great story. And uh, I'm also sharing short stories on this website called Vocal. All the stuff that I wasn't able to put in the book for obvious reasons, like it just didn't fit with the flow um, with like that album feel. I just, I didn't want to throw like a monkey wrench in there with like a really weird short story. So I've been putting them on Vocal, or just like a platform just to put short stories on there and stuff. And um, yeah. I, I just, I'm trying to not lose that because that's where I got my start. So keeping that at least alive keeps me going. Keeping that alive keeps you going. I Can you walk me through, Vincent, what happens when you're in that mode? Because full disclosure, I'm trying to write and I just can't get into that mindset. Something happens. I think it's a fear of what's about to pour out of me. but can you walk me through what what kind of flow you're in? What's the mindset? Like what happens when you're sitting down and writing? So <laughs> my ADHD like is all over the place. And the second I start sitting down and I'm in silence, that's where like anything and any everything could happen. Like I could hear a bird outside and my brain could just shift and I'll get distracted. And I'm like, no, I need to sit there. I need to start writing stuff. And then I'll be like, is this good enough? Like, do I really have what it takes to do what I'm trying to do? Like, can I really get what's in my mind onto the page? And I'm constantly fighting with myself. And then I'll literally just be like, stop, turn on the music, whatever vibe of the story or the piece, I'll match with the music and I'll let the music kind of guide me. Mm. So the the beats and the flows of the music, I'll try to trace literally. So if the tone of the music is going up, then I'll go up in the story. And if the tone of the music is going down, then I'll go down. So at least it's a little bit of a, of a starting point. Cause then by the time the song's over, I'm already going, but I, I'm a, like, I can't do that with in silence. I just can't like my brain can physically cannot sit there in silence and just look at the screen. I need something to kind of, give me that little push. And I don't, I, I, I know it's a process that doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Um, and it's such a unique thing. Like everybody has their own process. The second they sit, sit down and start writing stuff. Some people like to work in the day or at night or in the middle of the day or whatever. But I like recommend to anybody to just try music. Cause I feel like it's one of the most raw starting points and it's, it's there for you. Like you don't have to control it. It it could control you and just follow the flow, you know? That's 
such a fascinating piece that I would have never thought of incorporating because music viscerally hits me. So when I hear music, all I could focus on is the music. But I'm going to try that maybe without lyrics. Yeah. Is that Yeah. Okay. I would, I would try like, like classical, like Mozart mm. or like. Writing this down. <laughs> on, on YouTube, they literally have just 10 hours of classical stuff. And I would literally just throw that on. And you'd be surprised of how far it will take you. And some of that music is, is like scientifically proven to help you concentrate. And that's so true. It's how I got through college. You know, I would be writing an essay and I would just hear Mozart and it would just ground me in the moment. And it's that's how it started. And it stuck with me. And even creatively, I can't start it without that point. So I can trace that back to when I was just, like I said, writing essays at, you know, in college. Um, and I was a professor who recommended that to me to so just oh, play Mozart or play whatever. And I'm like, okay. And then I just have this like discovery of like, oh, I could like almost ride the music like a wave and duplicate that rhythm in writing. And it's so hard to like visualize because it's two totally different mediums, but it takes you on a journey that I, I, you can't get anywhere else. I believe that I can, I can see it for some reason. They, they, they both align. You're right. In, in a, in a interesting way, as much as they're very different mediums, I can see them holding hands and really sort of dancing together as you're, as you're creating. Um, so switching gears a little bit, because I hear how introspective that you are and how much you're going to be sharing that gift with all the work you're going to be doing specifically with uh, your work with children and autism. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing as far as that's concerned? And uh, I'm hearing that you want to become a board certified behavior analyst. Yes. Tell us everything. So this was the most recent kind of discovery in my life. After I left college, I did not do my student teaching for my general education teaching cert. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I need a job. I have a bachelor's degree in English. I don't. I didn't want my experience of student teaching to be around COVID. I didn't want that to deter me from pursuing this this career because it was going to be a completely different training during the pandemic. Like it probably wouldn't have been in, in person. So I was like, that's not the way I need to be trained. I luckily found a job as a as a classroom assistant in a, a in a special education school. And all of our students have autism. So that scared me a little bit because I never worked with, with that population before. But it was kind of just one day at a time and, and learning behavior and understanding how behavior works. And then I really found myself fascinated by that. And those lessons that you learn in the school setting you could take outside of school and just your daily life, not necessarily with a special education pop population. You could just even just going out to a store and, or just talking to people, having a conversation, you can use the behavior like lessons that are taught to you and apply mm -hmm. them to your daily life. So mm -hmm. the, the degree program that I'm pursuing is called applied behavior analysis. And there's a reason why they call it that because you can apply and analyze and take it literally anywhere, which I find is awesome because it teaches you such good life skills. And I just love working with, with 
everybody. Like the the staff is an, is amazing. They've they're teaching me so much. Our population and our students, they are they bring me such joy, and just it it doesn't feel like a job, which is what I love most. Is I drive like fifty minutes to get there every single day, and it. Wow. You know, being up at like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, driving there, sometimes like in traffic or whatever. The second the kids walk in, like it's all worth it, you know. And I know that sounds cliche, but they really like make my day and my week and one day at a time, you know, especially teaching, you know, it's it's one day at a time, especially now. Yeah. But I never would have anticipated that that's the career path I would have taken. And just hearing more and more from the professionals about how, you know, being a BCBA works and what they do. Like, I want to do that. So that's where that path is taking me now. <laughs> oh, that really just touched me right now. Just saying that when you walked into that classroom and seeing them and hearing them and interacting with them just made it all worth it and makes it all worth it. Um, I'm also curious, Vincent, what is it about mental health and behavior in general? What compelled you to go down that path at all? I think it's because everyone just wants to be heard and whatever like physical or mental deficits prevent somebody from expressing themselves either physically or non-verbally or verbally, everyone just wants to be a part of the group and to, mm -hmm. to express themselves in some way. And it's just being able to identify how someone expresses themselves. For me, it's through writing. You know, not everybody can say like, oh, I just I love expressing myself through writing. Some people like to do it through drawing or through any kind of art. Like it, it could be macaroni art. It could be anything. You know, it's just this is my story and this is how I'm expressing myself. And like seeing how every person, student, teacher, professional, anybody, everybody has their own way of expressing themselves. And it's just being able to pinpoint how that person expresses their imagination or their their wants and needs and adapting to that and it also teaches you stuff about yourself so you know that's that's probably the coolest thing is everybody's own individuality and uniqueness that you said something there towards the end which is you learn you also learn about yourself i cannot tell you how accurate that is when i did my undergrad in psychology I was getting spooked by how much I was learning about myself. I it was like it became overwhelming where I'm I'm in this environment, it's very academic. That was my Alexa. I'll say that again. I was <laughs> in my environment and it was very academic and I just felt like oh, this is too far too much of an introspective introspective journey on myself right now. This should be purely disengaged academic. This should be pure numbers and data. I I should not be reflecting all this much on myself. How foolish was I where it's such a gift to be able to do that and incorporate that in your academic journey, in your career journey, in, in your life journey, actually. So um I I I'm I'm just so I really identify with that, with that piece on how much you actually end up learning about yourself and on a more meta scale or on a bigger picture scale, I'm just curious, what what have you learned the most about yourself in the last, I guess, specifically in the last two years, this pandemic is heavy. Yeah. So I'm just curious, what's sort of the biggest lesson you're taking away in the last two years about yourself? So I found myself being very adaptable. And I, I know I just use that word, but 
that's one of the biggest traits that I, I think that I'm most proud of about myself is being able to adapt to any situation, you know, being able to adapt through the pandemic in and of itself is, you know, a skill set we've all learned to master taking on a new job, going back to, to get my master's in behavior and starting that, you know, keep, keep the writing going and all of these different things being able to, oh, and also starting a new social media platform, like all of these things where you're forced to adapt to a new setting, a new environment, a new way of communicating. And I was really proud of that, you know, and I still am like, that's, you know, when I'm doubting myself or whatever, I'm like, I can, I can, it's not a matter of if I can finish whatever it is, I know I can at least start it and find a way to adapt and get through this new setting and environment. And that actually is really helping me you know, in terms of my future and, you know, looking for a new place to live is, is on my mind. And I'm, I was really, really nervous at that at first. So I'm like, no, I, I think I'll be okay. Like I adapted in college, like I was able to move in and it, I was nervous at first, but it worked out. So taking that, that key feeling of it will work out and it will be okay. And I will adapt has literally helped me in so many facets it's it's crazy because it, it's all the same feeling but the environment is different and the circumstances are all different yes so i just found that pretty fascinating i will be okay and i will adapt what an amazing way to to just to bring this to a close vincent i need to know we all need to know where can everybody find you follow you check out what you're working on so my tiktok is just my name vincent catronio and uh I do, uh, I had a series about writing and then I shifted more towards film and directing, which is another one of my, my passions. Um, and just literally any other thing that I like, um, I got, I try to post videos every single day just to build a following. Like I just started, I'm still figuring it out, but any support would be greatly appreciated. Um, I have a link tree and it's in my Instagram bio. My Instagram is, is Vincent underscore Catronio. And, uh, I'm trying to figure out. Oh, and our website, Tiger Pack Productions, uh, we just released a short film, um, a short horror film, finally getting back out there after the pandemic is over, we can finally start filming again. So all of that. Um, and yeah, I hope everybody enjoys all that stuff. <laughs> Honestly, on the last piece, um, just because I know how difficult it is to be an artist and put out any kind of work during this time. Um, I'm also curious on what you can do to compel people to keep going when they're in an artistic endeavor in the middle of an endeavor a project and the pandemic has put a screeching halt on that what can be your advice to artists out there who want to keep going with their projects despite all of these yeah. factors the i i think you gave the answer to the question it's just to keep going because this film that we made it was the the film from the underworld and it caused so many so many things happened on this production like from my friends getting attacked by bugs to a branch falling on my head and nearly killing me to my friends in an automobile accident driving home to production being delayed twice over the course of three months and <clears throat> there was a thought in my mind of i can't i can't do this like this is this is just one small film. Imagine if this happens on a enormous scale. And I, I'm like, I wouldn't be able to maintain that. I can't, I can't do that. But 
you work through it and you take one day at a time and you take the small wins even like i know i'm saying in terms of filmmaking but not everybody you know would be a filmmaker or whatever but getting one shot and one scene done is a win and if you just build those wins on top of each other and then if you're talking about in terms of writing as well one sentence is a win because we all know how hard it is to craft just one measly little sentence because you no longer have the the blinking cursor staring at you so as long as there's some words there that's a win and just in everyday life waking up in the morning and accomplishing one thing then those wins can pile on and you could say well at least i i did something some of these things today and those outweigh the the drags of the day i, I call it okay so Full disclosure, I always reflect back on interviews with guests at the goosebump moments, I call them, in the interviews. And that moment, which was celebrate the small wins, gave that to me. So thank you, Vince. I really appreciate your vulnerability and how open you are about the process. And yeah, for sure. It means a lot. Please come back. Let's check in again with each other. Thank you very much for, for allowing me back and to, to talk about all these things that have been going on. I really appreciate it. Pleasure is all mine. Have I mentioned how much of a privilege it is to hear your stories and to be let into your lives? I, as a guest, invited into your stories. It makes me feel so honored and I'm so excited at what's ahead. Let's continue fighting the good fight. Mental health is something we have to keep talking about. Thank you as always to my listeners for tuning in. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye.